Hi, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you may be. I am Brian Buford, and I am joined with my colleague here. Mary Walter. And we are uh, the team gurus, as we call ourselves, a bit tongue-in-cheek there, but this is uh, an exciting day. We are recording our first podcast uh, and many more to come. Uh, Mary and I are, are passionate about working with teams and building great team players and great team leadership. I'll quickly introduce myself, and then I'll turn it over to Mary to introduce her uh, herself as well. I am a um, consultant and coach and speaker. I've been in the field for about 20 years. I worked internally uh, after graduate school at, uh, at a Fortune 50 company in their executive development group, and then have been in private practice for about the past uh, nine years, coming up on nine years. Um, I'm a psychologist by training, and uh, we joke that I have my PhD in psychology, and Mary has her PhD in the real world because uh, of her great experience. But um, I've always been interested in, in people and uh, what they do well and how they can work better together and how they can be great in groups. And um, I'm really excited to be here, and I'll turn it over to Mary. You want to give a little intro about yourself, Mary? Absolutely. Thrilled to be here. You know, I spent uh, most of my career leading teams in retail, which from a leadership perspective was quite fortunate because I've got to experience uh, many different examples of great leadership and leadership that didn't work so well. You know, the geographic dispersion of our teams uh, really ensured that we needed strong communication and collaboration. And moving forward, by the end of my time in retail, I was leading a team of about 55,000 people across the U.S. And that experience really solidified for me the importance of teamwork and collaboration in creating great and exceptional results. So that's part of my passion around team. I left uh, retail about three years ago, and today I spend my time as a leadership coach and consultant and advisor. Um, and Brian and I work very closely with teams, helping them move their performance to a higher level and helping them to accelerate their results. So why are we here today? It's because we do believe in team. Brian and I both work as leadership coaches for individuals. But what we found increasingly is that in our world today, team is increasingly important. We are in this hyper-connected world. And the pace of change, as well as the specialization that's occurred primarily through technological changes has really led to a need to collaborate. In the past, we find that people used to be able to have a better idea about what their peers did in a company or an organization. And today, that's just not the case. There's no way that anyone can know someone else's area of expertise at the level that they used to because there's just so much specialization going on and so much information needed. The other thing I'd say about team as we start off on our philosophy is that we believe that great teams are not about being agreeable. Um, it's about getting great results. And that's why we're so passionate about it. We believe the teams that are collaborative and cohesive can really deliver exceptional results. And so that's our focus is how did great teams move your results forward? Brian, any thoughts? Sure. I, I think uh, there are many reasons why we're doing this. Um, I, for, for me personally, a couple of things come to mind. 
Um, one is in my experience, certainly in coaching and also working internally, is that great team players have an edge. Um, and it's a bit of a paradox there in that they're saying that they are a bit better, they have an edge. But I think the reality is if you work well with others, if you're respectful, if you know your stuff and you, and you value doing things in a group and with others, um, you, you, you take feedback, you, you, you give it, um, you're, you're going to have an edge. You're going to be great and you're going to have a, a job and, and grow. And if you're not a great team player, you get weeded out pretty quickly. Um, second thing is I think there's tremendous power and potential energy. I remember that concept from physics of potential energy within teams. And I think you've seen it, Mary, as well, that um, with a great team and in the right circumstances, one plus one plus one equals five. And whether it's the Kansas City Royals of 2015 or uh, a retail team from 2007 or what have you, that there's just um, there's a hidden power. And it sounds kind of corny and cheesy, but uh, you know when you see it that when you have the right people working on great stuff and they're excited and they're doing their best, it's just better. Um, uh, and and there's a tremendous loss of opportunity for those teams that don't leverage that and certainly for the leaders that don't get it. So that's terrific, Brian. We probably should warn our listeners that I love corny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Corny, corny, but uh, meaningful. That's what we're shooting for. So um, so so what do we hope to accomplish in this podcast? Let's talk about that. I know there are lots of podcasts and lots of YouTube videos. Um, I think this is going to be a, pod, a podcast that's going to be very different from some others out there for one reason, well, a couple of reasons. Number one, we can jokingly call ourselves the team gurus, and it's kind of a joke because gurus typically don't work with others. They're solo, independent, great uh, minds and thought leaders, and I absolutely hate that term, by the way, thought leadership. Um, but but we are here because we want to have a conversation and we want to have a dialogue. No one has it all. No one has all of the answers. We all learn via conversation and shared experiences. And so to that end, it's not just going to be Mary and I talking and, and espousing our philosophy or sharing um, what we've learned, but actually asking questions, um, tough questions, interviewing and having a dialogue with great leaders uh, that we've worked with in different industries. And I know for the uh, the first two that we have in the queue, I'm really excited because these are talented uh, leaders um, that uh, have a variety of different experiences. And so uh, we will engage others and learn from them along the way. And uh, we hope to um, come up with a couple little nuggets and, and glean some wisdom. And if we could just help you be 10% of a better team player or 10% of a better team leader, uh, then we will have done our job. Um, there's a lot of divisiveness in the world, a lot of conflict, um, but, uh, but there's not enough talking about how we can do better together and get better results together. Anything you'd add, Mary? Fantastic, Brian. Yeah, and I, I just would add, you know, our focus is always on pragmatism, uh, you know, supported by both the research as well as real life examples. And I think that's what makes uh, this topic so interesting for us is that, you know, we have some really good answers um, from the research 
that's been done about mm-hmm. what makes for great results and great teams. But we also balance that with there are many different approaches that you can use to get there and many styles that work for leaders. And so what we hope to do through our podcast is to show you many of those approaches. And we mm-hmm. hope that through each podcast, you'll take something away that you can use in your work immediately that will really make a difference for you, for your results and for your teams. So, you know, Brian, we've learned a lot, you and I, through our work uh, together, leading teams um, and through facilitating with teams. Uh, What do you think there's one thing that people underestimate um, as they work through teams or as they lead teams? You know, it's it's always hard if you ask somebody (laughs) that reads a lot and tries to pay attention to the research to narrow it down to one thing. Um, cause there are, there usually isn't just one thing. So maybe I'll share a, a couple, two or three, just, I think that's thing. allowed, Brian. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, the first is, is that, um, teamwork is not a panacea, that there are many different factors and teams, um, are working in complex organizations and they're complex, uh, entities in and of themselves. So there are many different factors and, and just looking at one, be it, you know, number of people on the team or degree of interpersonal conflict or degree of of trust and vulnerability. Um, You know, one or two things is not enough. So I think we have to be really inclusive and practical and we have to look at um, not just the team itself, but also the context in which the organization uh, works. I do remember one thing, and this is straight out of a graduate school textbook on teamwork, that one of the best predictors of, of a team's output and their impact is their actual power within the organization. That is, you can have a really talented group of people and you can give them some resources and a really great leader, but if they don't have the responsibility or or the power, or if whether it be at the board or the CEO really doesn't listen or doesn't care, they're going to be spinning their wheels. And so the degree of power is really important. I think another key finding, and it's basic, is the power of clear, shared, specific goals. Again, one-on-one doesn't mean it's easy. That a team, be it in a quarter or a year, has to be clear on the two or three things they're going to accomplish together. And those things have to be benchmarked. You know, what is exceeding the goal? What's at the goal? What's under the goal? And if a team doesn't have goals, you can argue, and I think it's a compelling argument that they're really not really a team, right? They're, they're just a group or they're a committee. So by definition, a team has to be working on stuff together and they can only accomplish the stuff by actually working with one another and not doing things on their own. I love that research, Brian. And, you know, we've seen it play out over and over again. And yeah. what I think we found is that you know, having shared and aligned goals is absolutely the foundation of collaboration, cohesion, and teamwork. And and it's interesting that gets harder and harder as you work um, higher up in the organization, because folks tend to be leading then their own organizations as well. And it's not always as clear um, to the leader of the organization how you could create shared goals but incentives really do shape our behavior. And so if my goals are in direct um, contradiction of yours, it's pretty difficult to get us to work well together. And so, yeah, I agree. I think finding those goals that you can align around 
um, that you can work together around creates an atmosphere of collaboration that really can spill over into many other areas and yeah. vice versa. You know, we've yeah. found when people have goals that are at odds with each other, it certainly creates yeah. um, very distracting tension and conflict that's really not productive. So yeah, I think shared goals just so critical for success. And I think in some ways, the easiest part, and it's not easy at all, but the easiest part is coming up with the goals. It's sticking with them over consistently over time. Yeah, uh, great point. That's also difficult. So what about, uh, Mary, what's your perspective? What, what mistake do you see leaders make, you know, obviously uh, unintentionally, but what, what mistakes do you see leaders make that uh, harm teamwork, that sub-optimize it, that, uh, that really matters from your perspective? Yeah, I, you know, what I find is that as leaders, we're really driven to deliver results. And I think uh, good leaders are pretty clear that talent makes a huge difference, um, whether it's a teacher in a classroom or whether it's a manager on a sales floor, you know, having the right person in place um, with the drive and the intelligence and just the raw talent to be able to make a difference is huge. Um, to drive results. And so sometimes what I find as leaders in our attempt to hire somebody great or to place somebody great on our team, we forget the importance of the values that person holds around team. So in other words, Mm -hmm. sometimes I find leaders making the mistake of hiring for expertise or talent over the value of somebody that will work collaboratively and work with a team. You know, sometimes um, I will tell our listeners that Brian and I have been called in occasionally to help a team improve um, and then find that, you know, really the issue is we have a problem with team composition and having folks that really share the value of teamwork and working together. Uh, For myself, you know, as I think about this issue for me, you know, eventually in my career, I learned to place people and hire people that truly valued others on the team and would collaborate in a very upfront way with a lot of trust and integrity. But that wasn't always the case for me. I think about one of the worst hires that I made early in my career, I was leading a commission sales team. And I hired this uh, leader who was a terrific salesperson. Uh, She was just unbelievable and delivered sales far above what the rest of the team was accomplishing. And she was getting some uh, pretty serious pushback from the team. You know, nobody liked her. And at first, Mm -hmm. my impression was, well, they just, you know, they're jealous of her terrific results. And as I stood back and observed a little closer, I realized uh, there was good reason for their distrust of this person and that she was really accomplishing those goals um, at the cost and the expense of the rest of the team. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, doing things a little underhanded, not participating in some of the more administrative work that was needed so that she could drive sales. And it was a good example where uh, by making that choice to hire somebody with a high level of talent and expertise, um, it created a ripple effect of both tension and ill will through the rest of the team um, that I had to work very hard to combat. Now, the punchline of this story that's interesting is in the end, it turns out not only was she not a good fit from a team perspective, but she was stealing from us as well. (laughs) In the end, uh, she definitely had to leave the team. And I certainly learned the the lesson around uh, being cautious. You know, expertise is terrific. uh, But more important is values alignment. 
And in this case, in our conversation today, it's about values around teamwork and integrity. And hiring for that and placing for that will really make the rest of your life easier if you're trying to not only create a great team, as well as drive great results. And I think you bring up a great point. There's two main problems when you've hired someone that's that's not a not a great team player is number one, it's a value and values are awfully hard to change. I mean, we can learn, teach knowledge, we can help others build skills and capabilities. But if you fundamentally don't value and don't like getting things done and working with others, that's not going to change. Um, I think the other challenge too is how do you how do you screen for that? Because because everybody thinks they're a great team player, right? Just like everybody thinks they're smart and their intelligence. We've never had anybody come up to us and say, you know, I really lack self awareness. That's <laughs> you know, everybody thinks they're a great team players. So what are right. the? I think that's that's something we'll talk more uh, certainly in, in our very first interview coming up. Uh, how do you select for and screen and, and, and weed out? Um, bad team players. Yeah. It's it's a great question. You know, one thing that I started doing um, in a hiring folks was, you know, I, I used to do uh, reference checks and you tend to get reference checks from, you know, someone's prior boss is a lot of those uh, references that are provided to you. Eventually yeah. I started to do reference checks um, using folks prior peers. And that was a much different picture. And when I found peers that would rave about someone's performance and their teamwork, that's how I knew I really had the right fit. Uh, So it's it's amazing when you talk to peers uh, before you hire or place somebody, you you do get a much different picture. And I think a a very realistic picture of how that person is going to perform on your team. Like, uh, that's great. Like, what's what's an example or maybe something specific that you, that you heard talking to a peer that you simply wouldn't hearing from um, from from an ex boss? Yeah, so interesting. You know, peers can sometimes see the best and the worst of us. And our, you know, most of us tend to manage up and be very cautious about how we're presenting ourselves to our bosses. You know, they hold yeah. a lot of power over us um, in many, many ways. And so people tend to filter and we filter much less with our peers. Yeah. So what, you know, sometimes what I would get is in a very enthusiastic, you know, this person, uh, this leader helped me or they, they developed people and then let that person transfer over to my team. Um, they mentored somebody that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would hear those kind of things on a positive side. On the negative side, it was interesting because sometimes, you know, they'd be cautious to share too much negative, but you could always hear this sort of, well, you know, I'd ask them, how did they work with you? And I hear, well, they, they weren't really interested in that. They tend wow. to keep to themselves, yeah. you know, so that, that's a good indicator. They tend to keep to themselves. They don't share information. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really rely on them when I needed help. You know, yeah. those kind of things would come up and, and help you to avoid placing the wrong person that could yeah. really undermine the rest of the team's work. And that reminds me of some research. And if any of our listeners want the reference for this email me and I'll dig it up. I can't take it. I do it off the top of my head, but that uh, in terms of who is most accurate in truly assessing our performance um, and the options are self, peers, boss, direct reports, uh, the most accurate are peers. The least accurate is self, you know, because we're, we're biased and we 
we, we all we, we think we're great and we're, we're all above average, but that our peers are actually the most accurate and, and helpful in assessing our performance because they know what we actually do. Uh, and they see us in our best and our worst because we always, you know, put our best foot forward with uh, uh, with our bosses. So that's that's a great practical suggestion. There you go. There's the nugget. <laughs> when you do reference checks, do peers, don't do bosses. That's great. I, I think it's a yeah. tremendous. It really helped yeah. me to hire much better. Yeah, that's great. And Brian, what is for you? What do you, we've worked with a number of leadership teams. Is there something that you've seen um, and observed on teams that were able to improve their effectiveness? Is there something that you found um, as an unlock there that teams that were able to move from one level to another that you thought was meaningful? Yeah, and I think it, it's part of what inspires our work and certainly informs what we do is that at least once a year, if not twice a year, they get together, they have real conversations, they give one another feedback, um, and then they actually do something about it. You know, something changes afterwards, whether it's changing the goals or uh, the team or whether it's modifying uh, an interpersonal behavior. Um, that there's kind of this ongoing iterative process where it's not just an offsite where they talk about a strategy, um, but they get together, give each other feedback and change something. And then there's some continuity so that they're continually um, becoming better team players. They're continually getting more focused. And as a result, that builds trust. And once you kind of build those channels, if you will, for feedback um, at an offsite or in, in a meeting, then they're more likely to use those channels offline and one-on-one. -on -one. And so, again, not necessarily rocket science, but not necessarily easy. You know, the, the great teams, they talk and they iterate and they, um, they get focused and real. Yeah. I, it's interesting why leaders don't always make that choice to invest in the time required for teamwork and for collaboration. And yeah. from my perspective, I just think uh, we are all running really fast in business today. We're working all the time and mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure. The world's very competitive out there to deliver results. And I think sometimes this yeah. teamwork or meetings can feel uh, as a waste of time to people or I just don't have time to spend there. You know, it's interesting yeah. thinking about a team that we worked with um, where the CEO had been leading that team as very hub and spoke kind of in a siloed manner. And in fact, the team had not had any kind of um, meeting together in over a year. Well, that CEO ended up losing their position and left the company. Um, they were fired because the results were poor. And the new leader came in and immediately, you know, within the first month, Mm -hmm. had a team meeting and spent that time uh, creating a team charter and how we're going to work together and spend a lot, quite a bit of time on collaboration and sharing mm -hmm. ideas as well as sharing vision and mission together. Um, and that team was fun to watch because, you know, within just a couple of months, their results were already turning around and mm -hmm. showing strength. So I, I do think it's an interesting problem that, you know, sometimes as managers, we think, oh, people don't want to be in meetings, which is very true. However, right. 
Um, this kind of work does take time together. There's just right. no substitute for time together. So I love that you brought up that that example, Brian. I think it's really meaningful. Well, it's kind of a half truth, right? Yeah, people don't, it's not that they don't like meetings, they don't like boring, unproductive, <laughs> stupid meetings, right? Right. right. meetings that are run efficiently, that are focused, that, you know, uh, people are show up and actually pay attention and do meaningful work and progress for it. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're so you're so right, Brian. I mean, I think when you've got a team that's that really starts to work collaboratively and you make your your both your meeting agenda and how you run the meeting meaningful, meaningful mm-hmm. to the business and meaningful to individuals. You see people leaving that meeting with um quite honestly a glow and they mm-hmm. are elevated from that time together and go out and take that energy to go tackle big mm-hmm. problems. So yeah, I agree with you. What what we hate is unproductive meetings. There's just far too many of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great. Well, we wanted to keep this podcast uh, fairly brief. We appreciate everyone listening and being a part of our audience out there. We are going to be sharing a lot more with you soon. We'll be bringing to you leaders from many different industries to share with you what's worked for them in building terrific teams. Thank you so much for listening. We're the Team Gurus. This is Mary Walter. And this is Brian Buford. We'll see you soon. Thanks a lot for listening.